swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We are your hosts today, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. Today we got Tuesday trends. We're going to be looking at hot and cold streaks and just vetting which ones make sense, which ones just don't compute. First things first, we got the injury report. Dylan Strom, day-to-day concussion symptoms. Sean Monahan came back. Joe Thornton out, undisclosed. He's out a lot, and it seems to happen after he tries to keep up with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Uh, he is not supposed to run that speed. Jake Muzzin out face. This is what Puck so Peter says. No, he he broke a bone in his face, so it's going to be some time for Jake Muzzin. Zach Hyman out with an undisclosed injury, ruled out for Monday's game versus the Flames. The Flames are looking really good. Artemi Panarin. This is going to tie into our first storyline, and it's a big one that I don't know it's what a to make out. Storyline, that's for sure. It is a storyline that we don't have all the information about yet. That's the most important thing. So. What we're hearing is there's a guy, Andre Nazarov, a coach, like he was former NHL enforcer and Panarin's coach in the KHL, you know, nine years, 10 years later, I think it is. I think it was in 2011 that these alleged, uh, you know, that the assault happened. But they're they're saying that Panarin beat up an 18-year-old girl when he was 20 years old. Allegedly. Allegedly. And, um, you know, this is all like... I don't know what to make of it because Panarin has been like outspoken as being opposed to Vladimir Putin. Like he supports Alexei Navalny, who you're, which is a big no no. Yeah, you you don't just do that. It's very like very big brother shit over there. You'll just get black bagged and we'll never see yeah, Panarin again. Pretty sketchy shit over there. I think what happened was Putin just wanted to get Panarin on his line with him so he could play hockey with him, and he said no. <laughs> he, he he wins he a lot a, of games. He has a hundred percent shooting percentage. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it just it went in again. <laughs> exactly. You're so good. Getting pulled in a game against Putin is not like a normal getting pulled. You don't come back ever. So I mean, we're just gonna wait and see what's going on with Panarin. There's no timeline. We don't know how long this is gonna go on. He, you know, I have no idea what's gonna happen here. But this is there's. It's all shrouded in a bunch of mystery. But for what we do know, Panarin's out. Now I want to talk about what does this do to the New York Rangers still stateside. Ryan Strom has been a huge beneficiary of playing with Artemi Panarin. Where do you guys see Strom at this point without Panarin? Like if you're playing with Lafreniere and Kako instead of Panarin and Kako, what's the outlook on that? Down. The outlook is down. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. well, let, I mean let's just let's just be honest. Uh, I mean, that was the whole big thing about Ryan Strom is in general he was always attached to Artemi Panarin, which is a big reason why I always wanted him. Yeah, and it and it really doesn't matter who else you put him with in that top six because it's not going to be Mika Zibanejad, them both being centers, unless somebody moves to the wing, but that really hurts them down the center. So you're going to play with Lafreniere, Kreider, Buchnevich, um, you know, Phil DiGiuseppe. And and it's not like Kreider or, or Buch are bad players, but they're not Artemi Panarin. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not Artemi Panarin. It's just unfortunate, like, with Zabinijad kind of being 
terrible, if I can be so bold. And you know, right now, right now, he is not playing well. He's not terrible. Well, sure. All they had going for them was Panarin at this point. I mean, Buchnevich was doing pretty well, but sometimes when shit like this goes down, maybe the team rallies a bit, but when they're already struggling, and now opposing teams can now not focus on Panarin. There's so much more pressure on Zibanejad now. Yeah, and those other peripheral guys, so I think it's... She's tough times, Jim. Like, I don't know. Hopefully for their sake he can come back as... You never know. Maybe this is the thing that Zabinajad needs to kick him in the ass and wake him up. But uh, I don't see how you can lose a 100-point player and say it's a positive. I got Adam Fox on my cold streak segment, too. And I'm, I'm even less optimistic now than when I was when I was writing this before any of this news came out. So, like, how much does it tank the power play? I mean, just jumping straight into it, he's been pointless in six. 71% of his points are on the power play. So I think it's like five out of seven of his points or something are from the power play. And now you don't have Panarin to trigger some part of that power play. So it's just like, how bad is it going to be? Looking at the team's total power play points, Panarin and Fox had almost all of them. Yeah. So it was just Fox setting up Panarin. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be rough. I'm not anticipating good things there. Yeah, there's quite a few assists that are going to be gone for Adam Fox just as a result. So I'm I'm going to save the rest of Fox for the rest of that. But I mean, obviously, it's bad. I mean, maybe there's an outside chance that Zibanejad, you know, shines as as kind of like he maybe he likes the spotlight at this point, needs the spotlight, and and he revives a little bit. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, there's really no getting worse for Zibanejad at this point. He's shooting like two percent. And things are just not going for him. So I can't spin it as a positive, but I'm trying desperately. All right, moving on to the next storyline. Trevor Zegris has gotten called up to Anaheim. He shot up to 24% rostered before he played a single game. And boys, wouldn't you know it, now he is the highest owned Anaheim Duck skater at 24%, which is sad and really not surprising, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll tell you. So Zegras dominated at the World Juniors. He's one of the best prospects. Like he is the best prospect in Anaheim, but he is among the best in the NHL. I, I got him ahead of like Cousins. He's right up there with like Kaprizov for me. Um, blows away Peyton Krebs in my opinion. So like there are there's a a good tier of prospects, and Zegras is amongst the top of them. Slotted right into the top six. He's easily going to be the most electrifying duck out there. Like. I have never wanted to watch an Anaheim Duck game, at least in the last three years. I watched an Anaheim <laughs> Duck game. doing it now. I'm doing it now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I guess, like, where is your interest level? Are you going to burn a streamer spot just to see what happens? Or are you a wait-and-see method type of guy with the supporting cast that Zegris could possibly even get set up with? He's on the second line tonight. I think it's like, like Steel and Silverberg. Um, maybe top power play time. I'm not sure yet. But what are you thinking? Where's your interest level? I'm guessing I can probably speak for both myself and Raj and say that no, I am not going to burn a streamer spot because I really bank on my streamers. If uh, that's you know a big part of my game, that's extra points, and I need those points. Especially, I'm not going to do it on a guy that's never played a game in the NHL, on a guy that uh, um, is a rookie, and I already know that our man Raj is not a fan of rookies in the first place. 
Now, what if I told you he is on that Sterling top power play unit in Anaheim with Kevin Shattenkirk and Sam Steele and Ricard Raquel and Jacob Silverberg? Would you be more interested, less interested, or the same? Those those are not selling points. <laughs> yeah, I would be the same. I would be the same interested of the not interested that I am. Right. I mean, I'm a little interested. A, the, a deep enough roster, I could definitely burn a spot on him. Uh, I want to see what he he has to offer, but I think you know if if I have that mentality, I might miss out. So I could see how people are a little trigger happy going into it, but it's it's just maybe he breathes life into the Anaheim Ducks roster, but it's the Ducks. Maybe. If it was like on a game day kind of stream where you could get him for the night if you have an open spot and dump him tomorrow, maybe. But And they have a, also have a postponed game this week, too, so they don't even have a good schedule. Hmm. Last bit of storyline news that I have, Ben, it is in Las Vegas. They changed up their forward lines. We're going to see Alex Tuck on the, sto- on the top line tonight with Stevenson and Stone, Pacioretty, Glass, and Riley Smith as your second line. Marcheseau, Carlson, and Nicholas Roy, uh, or Nick Roy. Anyway, we got... It's Roy. It's Roy. We got Marcheseau on the third line. Now, I, I'm thinking that they're going to roll these top three lines, especially given the fact that Carlson is your top center. But do you think... You guys could swoop in and panic some some Marchessault owners at this point. Uh, he has been on a bit of a hot streak as of late, but I'm just wondering, like, are you guys worried? Are you excited for Tuck? Like, what do you guys get out of this top nine in Vegas right now? To me, it comes down, like, to actual playing time. Like, is third line actually going to mean less playing time? They've really been shitting on Um His playing time has dropped down to, like, 15, 16 minutes, down to 14. Um, he's been actually kind of fine for the last six, seven games, so it's weird that now they're dropping him down because previous to that, he was on a huge cold streak. But in the last, I don't know, five, six games, he's... He's actually been kind of fine and shooting again. And I've always been a, a disappointed fan of Marcia. So, like, I've always expected more. <laughs> and he's he's definitely the kind of guy who seems to tickle you a bit and then leave you hanging. Don't you hate when guys do that? Well, we're going to be talking about plenty of hot guys tonight, man. You'll you'll have a bank full of it. Hawkeye uh, check in. Another little nuance that happened in Las Vegas is Chandler Stevenson took William Carlson's spot on power play one. So we're looking at Stone, Stevenson, Glass, Theodore, and Pacioretty as your power play one with Alex Tuck, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Alex Petrangelo as your power play two. Jesus Christ, they are stacked, man. They have two really good power play units. So I don't even know which one I like better to start it off. And just second, like, does anybody see an uptick? I mean, Stevenson, he's been just blowing the doors off last week. He stopped blowing the, the doors off. He did. He, he obviously did. got to the three little pigs house that was made out of bricks <laughs> because last week he was, you know, blowing a bunch of straw because he's still only shooting once or nunce a game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nunce or once. During his hot streak, it was up up to one, up to one a game. I think it might have even been one point two per game. Man, ripping him. Yeah, so uh, he he slowed down as we expected him to. Like we said, uh, keep him until it stops, and it looks it looks at least for now it, it it stopped. But is top power play enough to bring you back in, get you back in on that stream? I think the 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 streak was the outlier to me. Fair enough. You know, I don't think he's a zero-point player <laughs> rest of season or anything, but maybe halfway between a streak and, and zero. 
Oh, I forgot an injury. Uh, Frederick Anderson and Jacob Markstrom. I, we just got derailed by this Panarin stuff, man. So a couple big goalies out. We saw David Riddich have an excellent game. And it, keep in mind, it just was one game. But Markstrom, I think, is labeled as day-to-day right now. So there's going to be people rushing to the waiver wire for big save Dave. And it, it could just be one or two games. So let's wait until we hear more news about Jacob Markstrom outside of just day-to-day. And then the news for Freddie Anderson is day-to-day. And Sheldon Keefe said, that's all I got for you. So that's that's it. That's all I got for the storylines here. Let's dive into the mailbag. We're going to be getting to the second half of the questions here on Thursday's episode for the weekend preview. So if anybody has any mailbag questions, feel free to send them in, chirp us in the Discord or on Twitter. Over the last two weeks, we've had a lot of like um, draft pick questions, you know, like um, how how soon is too soon to prepare for next year if you're if you're losing, like if you feel like you're already out of it, how soon is it to pack it in and start prepping for next year, whether it be in a keeper league, dynasty, whatever. And then we had a question about valuating draft picks and how how we kind of do that. Now we've got a question and they want us to shed light from a win now perspective and this year being kind of the focus like what is your stand on trading away picks to win this year and i think we've stated a bunch of times just how unsure and not confident we are that this year is even going to finish so like are you guys willing to trade away the futures to win this year i would definitely want to know what kind of rules are in place in terms of like what your league has as far as like what happens if we play 40 games you know if if there is any penalty to it because Depending on your team's rules, it's just such a sketchy season. I'd be very lenient to do it, but it would definitely depend on what your league rules are for yeah. for finishing the end of the season. Because if you knew you were going to win by doing it, I might I might do it. But other than being a hundred percent certain, I actually wouldn't want to do it because, like you said, who really knows what's going to happen the rest of the way? Yeah, who says it doesn't turn into something like last year where the playoffs don't even happen? There's a lot of people that were prepping to get them over the hump in the playoffs to win the championship, and then the championship never happened, and that's something that I fear. So again, going back to what Roger's saying here, if it is something that is for sure going to put you over the top to win it this year, say it's a keeper league too, and you're trading for a keeper somebody of keeper quality. I like that move because it protects you going into the next year. But if like, if you're trading away a first or a third round pick or, you know, something high, that's the next year, it's really going to put you at, at kind of like a handicap for somebody that's just barely moving the needle. I'm, I'm not really a fan. Like obviously it's going to make your team better because you're getting a better quality player for something that really has no need for you right now. But it's, it's just the amount of uncertainty. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm hesitant to do it. Just the odds are so much greater this year because it's not down to just is this one player going to get injured? It's like, is anyone in the organization going to get sick? <laughs> right? Because that can shut it down. So, yeah, I think thinking about it for a few more seconds, I would almost, uh, like I said, I would almost just say no unless in some situation it was a for sure. All right. That's going to bring us to our, our hot streaks. I'll kick us off. I want to talk about Vincent Trocek, man. He is 72% on, so hard to find at this point. He's got 16 points in 15 games. From the way that I remember it, I, I had just checked. He's got zero points tonight. Tampa is doing a good job of keeping the Trocheck and the Ajo lines, keeping them quiet. But he is riding an 87-point pace before tonight's game, nine points in his last seven. He's on the second line and on the top power play. 
The sustainable qualities that I'm seeing here, he's leading the team in power play points. So top power play has done it again for Vincent Trocek. We've seen vintage Vincent. This this is the one that, that we wanted, the vintage Vinny here. He did it in 17 as kind of like an all-around stat stallion. Tap power play brought him back. The IPP looks decent at 70%. The only thing that I don't like here is the shooting percentage. It's a bit crowded. 17% at even strength, 38% on the power play. So that brings it down to 20% at all strengths. Four to three secondary to primary assist rates. It's not super high for him, but it's, it's just kind of high. But when looking at his own stats, that's like right about where he is. Bottom line, 87 point pace. It's a little bit higher than I'm comfortable with given all the underlying stats. I think he's good for a 75 point pace. I think that's well within reach. I'm not trying to sell Vincent Trocek. I'm holding him. Yeah, how long have you been waiting to give that review for Trocheck? Since 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, top line, Alex Tuck scored a goal. There you go. So there you go. Top line, Tuck. Ain't that a bad bitch. Tucking it in. You bringing up uh, Vinny Trocheck, I, I think it's a perfect time to... I'm, I'm going to bring up a, a couple of my guys that I wanted to talk about. Also, you know... From uh, from Carolina, we got a lot of hurricanes well, on both sides of these lists. Well, they're playing they're playing very well right now, um, and and I I bring it all down to you know, it's Brind it's Brindamore, it's Brindamore. Brindamore is a a fantastic coach. I don't know why he doesn't get more national recognition. A big part of it is because you know everything you know flows down from Canada and. Carolina isn't going to get that same that same look. It, you're just not. However, uh, Carolina has some damn good players going along with uh, Vincent Trocek. First, I want to talk about Martin Nietzsche. Super solid. Six points in his last six games uh, on a really good team, and and finally, they're they're learning how to win in different ways. It used to it, it used to be at least as far as I saw. They used to have to be a team that needed to be the hardest working team out there on the ice. That's how they won games two years ago. That's how they, they won games last year. They don't have to win that way now. They can win in different ways. They can, you know, play that bang heavy game when they're playing a team like uh, St. Dallas. They can play a fast game when they're playing a team like uh, the Lightning, who they shut out last night. Friggin' Ned got his first shutout ever. You know? It's Tampa Bay. I wouldn't have picked him up. I would have not... Ha I wouldn't have told anybody, go pick up Nedeljevic today. <laughs> you know? He's playing Tampa Bay. But yeah, uh, it, it is Martin Nietzsche's first for me here. Um, and oddly enough, his, his shooting percentage, you know, has taken a huge dip from where it was last year. Mainly because I don't see him as an 18-plus percent guy. But it is down 66% from last year. I don't think that really will surprise anybody. But I can say he's not a 6% shooting percentage guy either. I think that right now is the time to get Nietzsche's while you still can. Uh, and in all honest, I think Nietzsche's is a hold for me. At least for now. At least for now, he is a hold. Um, I wouldn't be dropping him. I can say that much. I'm, I'm loving his shots per game. They went up a considerable amount from last year. His line mates, dude, like both the guys he's playing with, both on hot streaks of their own. He's getting an extra three minutes a night on average, like over a hit a game. Nothing bad about Martin Nietzsche at 16%. Digging it. 
well, he's playing with he's playing with your guy Vinny. And I think uh, Raj got up, Nino. We're like, there's so many Carolina guys. <laughs> oh, here. Well, then I'll tell you what, Raj. You you can go next, and then uh, and then I'll finish this out here. I could basically just say ditto for Niederreiter. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's on fire, man. Um, after having the worst possible year last year, the, that line clearly hitting it off. He's got nine points in nine games, seven of which are goals. Trocek and Nietzsche, as you just said, are both all kind of finding their stride together as a line. Um, Niederreiter's only getting PP2, but he's also got power play points in the last two out of three games. So whatever, man. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter. And he's hitting and blocking one or two times a game like he used to when he was good. He's <laughs> definitely one of those guys where all you can tell it's all in his head because all of his stats go together. Dude, right? three they all... Three shots a game. Yeah. Highest of his career. So good. Now, if you want to talk about maybe the one unmentionable number is the fact that his shooting percentage over the last few years, he's shooting (laughs) 18.4% this year, which is is. way the fuck above his career average of 12. It's not not way above his career average. Yeah, it's 12. I I would think that it's way above his career average if he's a, a single digit percent guy. That's that's significantly higher. But at any rate, he's hotter than he's going to stay, which is the way that Niederreiter always has been. When he was on Minnesota, he used to do that. He'd get the majority of his points would be in one month. And this seems to be that month. Pick him up this month. <laughs> Un- unlike Minnesota, his whole line is good now, and they're all coming together. So I think it's a little bit more sustainable than he was last year, I think. Yeah, the auto shooting percentage looks pretty decent, surprisingly enough, just considering how hot that line has been. PDO at 106, due in large to the on-ice save percentage that looks beastly. I don't know what's going on while he's on the ice, but it looks pretty good. I got, I got another Carolina guy, but he's not until we get to the cold streaks. Actually, you know what? I got I got Brock, Brock McGinn. We have so many Carolina guys. Let's just all like we'll just blow through all these guys. So McGinn, 17% in Yahoo, top line with Svech and Aho right now. 11 points in 11 games. Seven of these points are goals on 20 shots. The only sustainable quality, and it's not really like a sustainable quality, is the fact that he's on the top line. Like, I, th- I think that deployment is a little, little bit unreliable considering that Tavo is coming back. You would assume that over time, Tavo Teravina gets that top line back. Like, Nino, what I did notice is over these 11 game stretch, Nino Niederreiter and Brock McGinn lead the team one and two in high danger chances over this these 11 games. Nino is leading the team on the year. So maybe that ties in a little bit to Nino being hopefully more sustainable in the long run. Uh, the unsustainable parts of Brock McGinn, he's shooting 35% over this 11-game heater. Uh, he's giving Jordan Stahl a run for his money here. <laughs> but he's got 45 seconds of power play time on ice. That's all year, all together. So like one game he had two seconds, which is probably an accident. I think he maxed out at 30 seconds. So add it all up, 45 seconds through his entire season. His goals per 60 has tripled, and that's a big result of a shooting percentage bump and extra five-on-five time on ice. The bottom line for me is I do not buy it long-term. There's no reason not to stream him if you're looking for points. Um, McGinn is a career .32 points per game player or like a 27-point pace, and all of a sudden, he's a 60-point pace guy. Don't buy it. Sorry. Not long-term, but it's worth a stream. The next Carolina Hurricane 
this one, I mean, I really don't think that this should surprise anybody. Uh, but it, I mean, as far as a guy that we'd be talking about, but he is very highly owned. So it's not like, you know, it's not going to be like he's available. <laughs> hey. And if you do have to trade for him, he's uh, he's going to be worth a lot of money. Uh, that's Andres, Andrei Svechnikov. Hey, you're telling um, me this good guy is doing good? Sustainable. Sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Sustainable. And, and why? Uh, because he really is that good. Uh, he really is a point-per-game player. He really is a high-percentage shooting guy. And he just is a big part of what the Canes do. Brindamore trusts him, but everything I look at seems sustainable. I think that he will, you know, continue to be a 20-plus goal guy. I think that he will be a 30-goal guy. His time on ice is still just over 17 minutes. You you put that kid out there, he's a point-per-game player now at 17 minutes time on ice. You put that kid out there for 19, 20 minutes a game, you get him in all situations where he's on the penalty kill, the power play, the everything. He is going to light the world on friggin' fire. He he's shooting decently well, just under three shots a game. He's helping out on uh on hits where he has, you know, two hits a game. Definitely pretty cool. But everything screams sustainability. All the possession metrics above fifty percent. PDO just above a hundred. I believe in all of this, and in all honesty, he's not going anywhere uh, with without Aho, who is a superstar. And if, and, and if anybody doesn't believe that, then I couldn't disagree with you more. They are going to be really good together for a long time to come. Uh, Andre Svechnikov, you can get your hands on him. Please do. Yes, sir. Please do. Uh, lastly, I do want to bring up Cedric Paquette. <laughs> Cedric Paquette. I, I told I told you, I, I just randomly said his name earlier, so I decided. <laughs> that, Is he on a hot streak? I, uh, uh, sure. Okay, sure he is. <laughs> he's on. He's on Carolina, man. Of course, he's on a hot streak. Why would you even ask that? Carolina's scoring uh, so much. They're they're second he had in the a goal NHL last game. He had a goal last game. That means he's uh, in the past one game. He he has a goal. He's a point per game player um, over that so, stretch. Yeah, yeah, a point per game player in his last game. Well, the whole thing is, uh, so he was he was part of that trade, and I think it was you know a pretty great part of that trade, which helped them win that trade on the fact that you know they got to lose some cap space, getting rid of uh, getting rid of Singer, um, and that frees up you know space for a possible second trade. Going into a year where they th- where they think they can go really far in the playoffs, and in all honesty, so do I. Uh, they also get to round out their fourth line with a guy that knows his role, knows how to win, and is a checker. Dude, this guy is a fucking lawnmower out there. <laughs> since joining since joining the uh, the Canes, he has eighteen hits in four games. These bangs are awesome, and if nothing else. He is worth a pickup just for that. Absolutely, and that's not a fluke. He's always he's always been a banger like that. Oh yeah, he he's always been a daddy. Yeah, that's awesome. Can I do someone who's not on uh, the Canes now? No. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna talk about James Reimer. Uh, <laughs> or just kidding, no. Someone who I just noticed as I pulled him up to have the stats in front of me just got dropped. Like I'm about to talk about being on the hot list, just yeah. got dropped in one of our listener leagues. Yeah, which league? 
<laughs> the, the Mike Hoffman's hot league. He's been uh, he's been on fire again, really for the first time in St. Louis, I guess. But uh, six points in his last four, a couple goals, four assists, goes directly with playing time. Apparently, his his minutes have gone from around fifteen to in and around twenty in the last couple of games, and. Wouldn't you know it, his points have gone up exactly proportionally to that. <laughs> um, he's on the second line with Shen and our old buddy 420, Sammy Blaze. There you go. Which, uh, that's kind of interesting. But obviously playing alongside Shen, that's working out. And he is running the point on PP1 where he should be. Um, I don't think he's, you know, 100-point pace guy, but he's definitely better than he than he was. Took him a while to settle into the team, not having any practices and all that kind of thing. But he's, I, I'd, I'd peg him for about a 65, 70-point pace for the rest of the way, and right now he's in the middle of a, of a hot one. So Yeah, they switched up that power play one. I think Cruz got it back at this point. Uh, Justin Falk popping back down to, to power play two. Um, all right, my turn. I think I'm out of uh, out of Carolina Hurricanes for the moment as well. I got Jordan Kiru. I think I can just switch over to the top line in St. Louis. I mean, you just hit on Mike Hoffman. So top line with ROR, Ryan O'Reilly, and David Perron. The sustainable qualities, he's doing a lot of damage at even strength. And that, to me, that's great. His primary to secondary assist ratio is excellent. Seven primary assists, three secondary. He's doing so much so well he's got 20 27 time on ice in his last game what i don't like his unsustainable traits here ipp is around 90 percent. that's that's strong for like you know an elite player who's been in the league for a few years and kiru has not proven that yet so 90 percent to me is a little out there he's shooting at 18.7 percent on 38 shots on goal over to a game for shots, 21% shooting at even strength. The on ice percentage, like the on ice shooting percentage a bit high. And he's got five multi-point games, all of which are against Cali teams. So I don't know if that's a bad thing because he's still going to be playing a lot of Cali teams the rest of the way. So the bottom line, I'm digging Kiro. I think he's going to wind up in the 60 point neighborhood for, and for that to happen, he's got to have a cool down cycle. So he's at a 77 point pace for him to cool down to a 60 point pace. It's, 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 it's going to be drastic. So um, he's more of a points league guy, but can contribute to goals and assists at even strength in, in cast league. So for me, Kiro is a sell high. We did, I didn't have on my list, but while we're on that sort of train, Perron is also in the mix. Uh, you know, he's, he's owned up, but he's definitely, you know, that whole, Group in St. Louis is starting to score a lot. He's been around a point per game. And those top guys, you can see it on, on Perron's stats too. Just all of the top guys are getting way more time on ice. It looks like they're starting to to ride the top six a lot heavier. They had been trying to play a lot of the third line too, but it, it seems like they're going a lot more top heavy than they, Screw they have it. been. Screw it. Fuck you, Rob Thomas. Is our, I mean, he's still he's still hurt. So that's rude. Fuck him anyways. Kicking him while he's down, man. That's the time to kick him. So there's just an update on Markstrom. Just an update on Markstrom. Jeff Ward said that Markstrom is going to be day-to-day for a little while. Would you call that week-to-week or just out? Or just day-to-day for a lot of days? A little Zach, while. Zach is losing his mind because he's got so much Markstrom. <laughs> Your IPP on Markstrom is like unsustainable. You have like 95% ownership. Amongst all your leagues, I, I I purposely draft him, drafted him in every league I possibly could. 
You did. <laughs> you have a lot of Markstrom. And it was working out pretty well there for a while. Oh, go grab Riddich, man. I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, gross. Hey, I don't hate I don't hate Riddich like you do. Riddich shut out Toronto tonight. Who's up next? I think uh I'll go next. I'll actually, you know, I'll just bang out two guys right here quick. Uh and we are gonna <laughs> go with uh with some more with some more New Jersey. We like to talk New Jersey on this show. I, I don't know why. Banging and, and two guys I'll, in New I'll, Jersey. I'll, Sounds sketchy as fuck. I've seen a show like that before. <laughs> I don't get that channel. Dude, so I am all about Pavel Zaka and Jesper Bratt. I actually picked them both up this weekend. They both helped me. I was I was pretty happy. Uh, so starting out with Pavel Zaka, um, he got me you know a, an assist on Sunday, which was a big help. Um, I believe it was a power play assist. He has a point in eight of his last nine games. He has now made his way to the first line with uh, a newly returned Nico Heischer. My next player, which is Jesper Bratt. Dude is just playing good hockey right now. Even though we'd love to see him get more shots on net, which uh, is definitely inflating his shooting percentage because he's not really shooting as much as we'd like to see him. His shooting percentage actually at a career high of 16%. And I know that that is not good, but... Like I said, um, I, I like that. I like that top uh, that top line deployment, but he's not getting the power play. Yes, Pratt is the one that is getting the power play. He, however, is the one that didn't you know get me any any points on Sunday. But uh, it is what it is. He did, however, have four games in a row with an assist um, prior to Sunday's games, and his shooting percentage or his shots are are way better than Pavel Zaka's um, at almost three a game. He has had double-digit seasons for goals in two of his first three seasons that he has played, and I'm thinking that this year he's not going to score no goals. If he keeps on shooting, he will be back. He has that first power play deployment, and that's not going to hurt. I think both players are, at the very least, a stream, possibly a hold for this week, especially because, uh, I mean... They're playing tomorrow and Thursday, two off nights, and then they're playing again on Saturday, Sunday to finish out the weekend. Uh, I think I think their holds for the week. I plan on doing so. I mean, he did a lot of his damage from power play two. Did he get promoted to power play one here? I am pretty sure that he is on power play one. Yes, for Pratt. Yes. Oh yeah, look at him, man. And I mean, Gusev finally hit the board. Miles Wood went cold a little bit. Will Butcher with three fool's gold points in his last three games, like. Don't pick up Will Butcher, Jesus Christ! He, Kyle Palmieri doing the damn thing after you, you know he dude. was he heard what you said about him. Yes, and I think uh, I am very interested in Kyle Palmieri. I don't have him on here, but that's a hot streak, I believe, and just as like you know, a breeze over it. Uh, all right, Raj, who do you got, buddy? Mangiapane. All right, um, it, it's it's a good streak, uh, a sustainable streak, actually. I think uh, he's. Got about eight points in the last nine games. Six of them are goals. He's been steadily increasing in ice time uh, since last year, really. Started the year around 13 minutes, and now he's playing top line with Lindholm and Kachuk the majority of the time, which is not a bad place to be. Uh, playing around 20 minutes a game, and his, his goals are coming, finally. Power play two, uh, so he doesn't have that big power play there, but but still producing five on five. Um, 
Yeah, he's good. Calgary's Calgary's a really weird team this year, um, but even though this is kind of above and beyond what we've seen from Mangiapane, I think this is around like this sort of 65-70 point pace kind of thing is around what people have been pegging him at and expected him to get to. So even if he cools off a bit, I don't think it's crazy to hang on to him for a while. And he's very available, so... That game against Edmonton, man, close to six minutes of power play time. He had 68% of the power play share in that game, 77% of the power play share in the game before that. Tonight against Toronto, only saw 22%, so it's very up and down, but he's seeing a lot better opportunities nowadays. So I, I'm very interested in Maji Pani at 7% owned, too. Yeah, and he hits, too. He's one of those guys who will get three hits, zero hits, two hits, zero hits, four hits, zero hits. But he he does pitch in 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 other categories as well, which is nice. First up for me is, well, next up for me is Darnell Nurse, 93%. 14 points in his last 14 games. How's that for a hot streak, man? Only seven no-point games this year out of 20 games. So right now he is on pace for 66 points from Power Play 2 on the back of a 13% shooting percentage, four power play points, all four of which came while he was like cycling into that top power play when Barry was having some cold streaks, whether Barry had just had a shift at even strength, couldn't be, go out for the top power play. Uh, so the sustainable qualities from Darnell Nurse here, I think the peripherals, I think, you know, his his IPP is a very comfortable 37%, right about where I expect good D-men to be. The unsustainable traits here, Nurse checks about, all of the unsustainable boxes, which is brutal. His shooting percentage is 300% his career average, 100% IPP on the power play. And he's not really sharing power play with any of the top characters anymore, so I don't know how much I buy into his power play points percentage. The on-ice shooting percentage is pretty high, but you're playing with some of the best players in the league at even strength. So the bottom line for me, I'm not counting on 66 points from an Edmonton team that just got over their most recent hump at even strength. Nurse, to me, is somewhere in like the 40 to 45 point range, given the huge even strength time on ice from him. Sharing the ice, again, with some of the strongest hockey players ever. In order to shave off 10 to 20 points off his pace, we're going to weather a cold streak long enough to level out some of these stats. So keep that in mind. Like Darnell Nurse in a Cats League, I'm holding. But if you were in a points league, this is this is the time to sell, especially if you're not counting any of these peripherals and you just have been riding this mirage of a 66 point D-man, I think, you know, sell. So consider the points and added bonus right now, but you can count on the peripherals for sure. And he's doing a lot of them. He is solid. Absolutely. Do you guys get any more hot guys? I got one more, and I'm looking at his picture, and I can't call him a hot guy. Yeah, I got I got Logan Couture left, and it, Logan Couture looks like somebody tried to draw Sidney Crosby from memory, and it's just not great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If anyone out there has seen Fubar, which I keep bugging you to watch, he looks very much like Beaner I can't. I can't stream Fubar. it. I can't stream it, man. There's nowhere for me to stream it, and I'm not buying it. The ugliest hot guy. I don't know if I can out ugly him, but I had Kopitar. Definitely the oldest hot guy of the night. He's been on a pretty crazy streak. He's always a solid NHL player and blah, blah, blah. But 11 points in the last nine games. Him and him and your boy Dusty Brown and uh, I follow are really uh, making sweet music on the top line Dude, there. They're it's, all hot. Uh, 
all hot right now. It's, yeah, I mean, he's obviously on the power play. There's nobody going to threaten Kopitar's position. So he's a legitimate player. Like when he, The nice thing about Kopitar is when he cools down, he's going to still be good. I, I like it. I'll say the same for Ayafalo, man. Like, I think he's pretty sustainable, too. Like, as long as he's the guy on that top line, you know, Kempe was kind of uh, cycling in here and there. I still like Kempe just for the, the shot volume. And Dustin Brown, the same way, 12 points in his last 12. We're looking at, you know, he's shooting close to 30%. So that that's a guy that just from the top down doesn't look sustainable. But Ayafalo, I believe in Kopitar. Is is this the 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 hot year for him, Zach? Is he on the up part of his up and down career trajectory? His his every other year. Yeah, I mean he did he did buck that trend a couple of years ago, uh, where he had you know two down years in a row. So yeah. it would you know it, so um, here's the point: pace seventy five, fifty six, ninety two, sixty one. Here's the buck: seventy three point pace this year, hundred and one point pace. So, hey. Dude, it's it's not. I never said that he was a bad player, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. I never said that he was a bad player. And uh, one thing that he does have going for him is continuity in a big way uh, with Dustin Brown. You put them together, they play well. At least the two of them do. And it turns out that the Kings are actually playing very well right now. Quick just had another shutout, or not another shutout, but he had a shutout tonight. They got another win, which I believe is, what, five in a row? Yes. It's It's getting a little surprising, to say the least. So here's one stat that I really, really, really don't like about Kopitar. He has 11 power play points from a 100% power play IPP, and that's 11 out of 21. So over 50% of his points are coming from the power play, which is scoring at an unsustainable rate. He's on pace for 53 power play points, which I don't think has been done since the 80s so watch out for kopitar i'm selling high you know center is super deep yeah. uh, kopitar is at the the height of his value i think at this moment the, so the apex oh yeah the precipice if you will selling that that's what i'm doing with kopitar selling let's take a look at the yahoo this is something um i think he might be our first sell actually him and jordan kiru uh somebody got phil forsberg i kind of like the kopitar side of that one jordan stall that's just trading hot for hot Kopitar, OEL, and Drieger for McKinnon. Wow. I'll take that. I will take McKinnon. Wow, yeah. Yeah. I don't think McKinnon's going to cool off. <laughs> wow. See, that's hard That's hard to do because then you're automatically dropping two players, you know? Yeah. Just so you can, just so you can fit those other players on your team. So three for ones aren't always where it's at for me. If I'm if I'm trading three players, I, I'm usually trying to push for three for twos. Yeah, McKinnon, man, it's a win, especially if the waiver wire is going to be. Re- oh, if you're getting McKinnon, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I actually don't mind this Philip Forsberg for Anzi Kopitar trade. I, I I figure Forsberg's got more in the tank, and maybe Kopitar cools off significantly, especially on the power play. All right, so my last guy here is Logan Couture, as foreshadowed earlier. 11 points in his last 10, 15, and 16 all day. 77-point pace, which is a career high. He's on pace for 46 goals right now on the back of a 20% shooting percentage. His career high is 34 goals, so I don't see anybody flirting with 50 goals in San Jose. 
Uh, he's leading the team in secondary assists, which account for a quarter of his points right now. He's getting good time on ice. The power play deployment's great. Stable deployment, too. Top, top. All of it. Good IPP and at even strength and on the power play. So there's a bunch of sustainability here. It's just the shooting percentage that's really turning me away from Logan Couture and just a general distrust for the San Jose Sharks, man. I just I just don't buy any of it. Is that fair to say? Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody's going to be good out of there. He's overheating a bit. I would be looking to sell while I can. I don't trust San Jose, like I said before. I think 77-point pace cools off somewhere into the 60 to 65, 70-ish range. But 77 is going to rely on a f- almost 50-goal season. So that's the only way that he gets to 77-point pace in 82 games. So, you know, over 56, we're looking at like 40 goals or 35 or something, which I just don't buy. I don't buy it. So Logan Couture, selling. People are trading him for... PLD, you know, that that's not a bad move. Somebody did uh, Taylor Hall and a third round pick for Logan Couture and a fifth round pick. Taylor Hall is going to be on our cold streaks here. So we'll see how that winds up. Couture for Braden Point straight up. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a hefty trade. Couture for Ryan Ellis. So if you need it, but anyway, let's, yeah, let's go into cold streaks, man. I talked about Adam Fox a little bit. Panarin's gone. So that obviously is going to bring down his outlook. He's pointless in six games. I was looking just from the top down, looking at like the macro stats of New York as a whole. New York is scoring the fourth least amount of goals per game. Buffalo is actually at the bottom with 1.25 goals per game. So that's going to tie into the three cold buffalo sabers that you have it's just it's a huge team issue and they're not good uh the rangers power play is running at 10 percent right now so fox just being sustainably bad the, the rangers are bad their power play is bad and they're not scoring a bunch the reasons i think he's going to get back a little bit he's got 16 shots in his last five games so the shot volumes there it's over three a game the minutes are superb over 26 minutes in this time i think it's a good time to buy low i I had written this before the panera news so like i don't know how to feel about adam fox especially given the fact that five of his seven points are from the power play and the power play isn't clicking right now it's going to click less without panarin so i just don't know where to believe like In the first 10 games of Fox, he had seven points in his 10 games. That's a 58-point pace. And then six games, pointless, cratered that to a 36-point pace. I think we're going to end on the better side of half point per game, somewhere maybe in 45-point range in an 82-game season. We really need Mika Zibanejad to wake up. Hopefully that empty net goal sparked him a little bit. Having Panarin out, Mika's going to need to be the guy. That's that's the only only saving grace for Fox is that power play. He's getting a lot of his production there. Power play missing the main guy. Oh god! Power play. I'm I'm not excited. <laughs> oh, not that it affects the power play, but they're also missing their best defensive defenseman in Truba too. So it's <sighs> tough times over there. They're gonna go for Berniers or whoever, maybe own power, depending on who you like for number one overall. Weird draft 2021. I could go straight into, I just had to put a cold team. You already mentioned Buffalo. Started by looking at Eichel being cold and then Hall being cold. Darlene being cold. Um, Just cold. Skinner is now the $9 million scratch. Mm. <laughs> so I kind of said, how much more can you sink from the fourth line? Well, to the press box. Yep. So it's really hard to even imagine how it's going to turn around. I mean, it's hard to imagine how it's going to get worse. I had, like most people, huge high hopes of Hall and 
Eichel. Like high apple pie in the sky hopes? Well, obviously, I maybe I was just high, which is a large chance. Eichel and Hall, and, you know, we all thought it would be like, who gets that lucky third spot? Is it Reinhardt? Is it Olofsson? They brought in, you know, they brought in guys like Stahl and a few people to sort of round out the top six, and it just didn't work. No matter how you spin it, it just is not happening. If you add their shooting percentages together, it's still low for a normal forward. <laughs> exactly. Taylor like Hall, 2.8. Jack Eichel, 4.3. I mean, Eichel's still on a 71-point pace. It's just, you know, he is not scoring goals. No, and like you were saying the other day, like if Reinhardt is outscoring... Both of them. Eichel and Hall combined, that's not a good scene to be in. I mean, I I just don't see how how it can change. And this is such an easy year to to get bummed, you know? Like, it's an easy year for these guys to kind of go, well, fuck, man. Why bother? Like, why? Well, it's supposed to be a contract year for Hall, and he's shooting the least he's ever shot before. Like, the worst shots on goal per game of his career. And on pace for 55 points. Yeah, and they did have a couple of COVID little breaks in there. So you'd think they had time to kind of reflect. And it's not like they've been playing constantly and haven't had a chance to to look back at the game either. It's just... They they got some tough teams to play against, and they're terrible. So, you know, you you could look at it, and they're they're definitely going to improve. Those big guys are going to improve because they can't not. I still don't have high hopes. All right, so TJ, uh, we went over in a big way the Carolina Hawkeyes. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about some Carolina cold guys? Might as well. Uh, I'll start us off here real quick, and I'm going to start us off with Dougie Hamilton. Everybody calm down. (laughs) Calm down. Like, seriously, don't get your dick in a knot over this one. He's just getting unlucky. The man has 24 shots on goal in his last five games. 24. Yeah. He's trying. Everything I see is in is in damn good shape. Possession metrics looked good. He had eight points in his first nine games. You weren't all freaking out then, <laughs> now were you? No. No. So calm down. He is going to come back. I don't care if he just has one assist in his last five games. If you aren't happy, then trade him to me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, dude. You got an assist tonight. He did have an assist tonight. Yes, he did. Four more shots. He did have an assist. And just and look at his his involvement percentage. The IPP it's it's down from fifty percent in his career to thirty five shooting percentage. Like you were saying, how many shots did he have? And he scored on zero of them. His shooting percentage is two percent. His goal rates are down seventy eight percent. His assists are up. So he is assisting more. He's just like we're not seeing the goals. You can tie that to the IPP, and you can tie it to the shooting percentage. It's yeah, he's just getting unlucky, man. So I, I think there's nothing to worry about. What do you think somebody could offer for a Dougie Hamilton if they're going to go and try and buy low? Start of the year, we were all, and most people were all, had him top three defensemen. Yep. So if if people have really soured on him that much, I'd be definitely trying to buy low. But I don't know. I don't know if any people have soured that far. Maybe. Seems some pretty crazy things going on. Yeah, there's not many one-for-one one trades here on Yahoo. Somebody did a one-for-one one with Yossi, but that's like another guy that's kind of, that's not that's a buy-low for a buy-low. Just a weird yeah. kind of rearrangement of deck chairs. Somebody it's did an emotional trade. Hamilton and a 13th for Suzuki and a third. Well, good pick oh. for next year, but I don't know. I don't want to get into any of that. 
But yeah, I'm with you, Zach, dude. Like, he is just getting unlucky. The amount of goals that Carolina is scoring, it's impossible for Dougie not to get in on this, especially when you look at his involvement percentage. The IPP, 35%. That's, that's not where he hangs out. So Carolina scores the second most goals, just less than Toronto. So He's leading the team in shots, too, on that team. So he's trying hard. It's going to happen. So I, I had Matty Kachuk on my cold list, but he, he got on the scoreboard last game. He got on the scoreboard quite a few times tonight. Basically, what I what I wrote here is that it was a team issue. The word out of like the Calgary beat writer circle was that Jeff Ward was really incensed with their play. They had that four set against Vancouver. They came out two and two. Uh, they came out flat against Edmonton in a seven to one loss. Then they come out. They look really good against Toronto tonight. I think Kachuk had what two points out of the three goals that they scored. He had a goal assist. There you go. So goal assist today. You know, it was just a five game pointless drought. He had three shots a game over that over that span. Twenty minutes of time on ice. Calgary was scoring at two goals per game during then. One for fifteen on the power play. Scoring was down thirty percent. The power play was clicking at seven percent rather than the full season's twenty percent. Or if you want to go before the cold stretch, it was twenty five percent. So. Power play wasn't clicking. They weren't scoring at even strength. It was a team issue. Kachuk's back on the board. Not worried. Still a, what, 20-plus minute per per game guy. Yeah, dude. Hits are still fantastic. Once again, everybody calm just down. Calm down. Uh, all right, so I'm just going to jump right into Carlson because I, I had quite a bit here. Like, I was... I was Using that team down approach that I used with uh, Matty Kachuk, I wanted to see if that applied to Carlson, and it does not. There was a, a two-point game for Carlson that broke a stretch of six games with only a single even-strength assist. And what's especially concerning with Carlson here is that Washington was scoring three goals a game and had 32% success rate on the power play. Even stranger than that is Carlson's both his shooting percentage, personal shooting percentage, and on-ice shooting percentage are higher than what they were last year. So I started digging a little deeper, looking under the hood and John Carlson here. The stats from last year are coming back down to earth. The only thing that's dipped harder than it should is his power play involvement percentage. He's not converting on the power play. Since last year, he was involved in 80% of the power play goals he was on the ice for. This year, it's 45%. So his power play percentage or power play IPP has just cratered. And this is concerning because the power play is 172% better than it was last year. 33.3% this year. Last year was like just under 20%. So right now he's on pace for six power play points. Only two shy of, no, sorry. If you pace out his six power play points, he's only two shy of his power play point pace last year. So the involvement percentage or IPP being at 177% better than it was last year and a power play that's 175 percent uh better than last year so like it, those things just kind of cancel out so is it at even strength yes everything that's going wrong is even strength is even strength production down by 35 percent and that's to go with on ice goals four that's down by 33 percent which is just you know pretty much exactly what's going on washington's just not scoring as much with carlson on the ice you could Attribute that to a handful of games that the Stars missed, higher level of competition in a division that is like you're not able to beat up on Detroit and Anaheim and stuff like that. Maybe it's a divisional thing, but the rate stats that I'm looking at, they're similar to 17 and 18, 18 and 19. 
those kind of Carlsons. In those years, he scored around 0.85 points per game. This year, it's 0.82. So that's the Carlson I think we're going to get. He's still really fucking good. Somewhere in the 65 to 70 point range for a defenseman. Maybe it's a cold streak. Maybe it's just the Carlson that we're going to get. But I think, you know, maybe not over a point per game this year, but... Jesus Christ, only 70 points for a defenseman. His start last year was, it freaked us all out, right? Yeah. Like he was on a 100-point pace for a while, and then he was only really good after that. What a bummer. We, you know, he, yeah, he's he's good. He's cold right now, but he's good. Um, I had one, one other guy um, who, like, shocker, Christian Dvorak is not doing well. That was a hot streak, then not the real thing, which we all kind of saw coming. Uh, zero points. Actually, no, lie. He just scored. But before yeah, that, he, he had a goal. He had uh, no points in five games. His He's no hits in his last four games. So, you know, pretty much like everyone expected, he was above a point for a game for a bit. And, you know, you give him a game or two cold, and now he's back to his old self, which is not very good. The thing is, it's not like um, it's not like a Buffalo situation. It's not everybody's shitty. Like the rest of the guys on Arizona are still humming along pretty good, and he's just not. Everyone who thought Christian Dvorak was going to score ninety this year, he's probably not. Yeah, that was just regression of the mean. So really, nothing else to dig into. You know what? Instead, I'm going to talk about William Nylander. I'm talk about William Nylander, who is hot but uh, still cold. William Nylander, I'm I'm jealous of his hair. Well, when he uh, had the cornrows or what? what? Y'all don't know what I look like, but believe me, I'm jealous of his hair. <laughs> I can see how that makes Fine. sense. Um, however, he is on a little bit of a cold streak. He did have a two-point game back here two games ago against, surprise, surprise, Ottawa. I don't know if anybody would have seen that coming. But I think it's the line shakeup that is really kind of, you know, not helping him. Um, he... he has been playing with Tavares for most of the year, but is he going to continue to play with Tavares or are they going to go super crazy top heavy? That's what they did tonight. And when I say when I say super crazy top heavy, I mean the superest, craziest, top heaviest line that you're going to have. Uh, you might as well be putting RNH uh, and Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl along all in one league if, if they're going to have to go against a Tavares-Matthews-Marner line. What the hell? If he isn't playing with Sean Tavares, it is definitely going to hurt him coming back, but he is still a decent player, obviously. The time on ice does concern me a little bit, and I think that that is definitely a big part of it as far as I'm concerned. He's down two-minute time on ice, boys. Two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that seems like a big deal for me. However, he he is decent other places. He is definitely not going to help you out with hits and blocks. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I I like William Nylander, but I've never been a big fan of having him on my team because it is feast or famine mm-hmm. with points, and and that's it, and that's it. the The only way that I'm having him in general is in a points league, in a categories league, I can get my points elsewhere. Um, I'm not a William Nylander guy, and TJ, I think after last year, you're probably not either. I'm looking at, I'm looking at his profile here on Dauber Hockey, dude. 1.9 shots on goal per game, which is his lowest ever. I don't know if that has to do with the two minutes that he lost, like you're saying. Um, but it's just not good. Like, you're not going to, you got to shoot. 
You got to shoot a lot more, man. Just bring it back. He was at three shots a game last year, and he's just under two this year. That's brutal. His shooting percentage is still perfectly fine. Yeah. It's a, it's above his career average. You know what I mean? His shooting percentage is there. Just shoot more. Yes, sir. That's what I would do. That's what I would tell him. Yeah, he got benched for uh, a chunk of the game, and they did try that loading up the top line thing tonight, and they scored zero goals So against David Riddich. So it's because we'll Joe Thornton wasn't out there. That's true. There's nothing without Joe Thornton. So I'm going to move into my next cold streak. I get Victor Arvidsson, 44%. He is now in streamer territory. We can now talk about Victor Arvidsson as a streamer when Nashville has primo schedules first thing that jumps off the board to me and it happens a lot in these kind of things is a 38 percent ipp sorry so i'm like trying to figure out a way to say this more efficiently to to people so they understand so like involvement percentage is a good way to say it are you calling are you calling me stupid or something no no not directly 38 percent of the goals that he's on the ice for he gets involved in it should be around like 70 ish percent he's involved in half as many on ice goals nashville scoring 25 percent less than even last year when it was when it was still pretty bad at all strengths his ipp is at 44 percent where he's bounced around from like 56 to 72 percent over the course of his career 42 sticks out like a sore thumb or 44 percent uh, i'm also noticing that arvidson's ranked 16th in terms of shot volume per minute played and is snake bitten by a 3.5% shooting percentage. So we've seen this all up and down this list tonight. Eichel, Dougie, Taylor Hall, a lot of these guys just don't have these the shot rates that they're used to. And we know Arvidsson's like a, a high percentage shooting kind of guy. Uh, it's a quarter of his typical success rate. On top of all this, Arvidsson seeing his career best offensive zone start percentage, 73% of his shifts starting in the offensive zone. If I had any faith in Nashville, I would overstate how much this looks like a bounce back. But because I don't believe in Nashville, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna regular state it. I'm not gonna overstate just just regular. I'm just gonna say it. RV snake bitten, writing him off because Nashville's yucky. I think is is a lazy take. So the underlying numbers are really good and should bounce back from the 34 point pace that he's on at the moment. But because of lost time, it's gonna be hard for him to hit his previous benchmarks of kind of like 60 ish percent or 60 ish point pace. But if we can talk rest of the season, and if he were to bounce back in his next game, like the next game and level out to a 60 point pace it's not going to help in like roto leagues or anything because that'll only be 51 points pace the rest of the way it shows how much time he's lost already is that nine point of his point pace but uh yeah I, th- I think there's a good chance that he could bounce back all the numbers are in favor of that happening so arvidson just snake bitten that's where i'm at streamer territory 44 percent. wow all right, so I got Rickard Rackle at 22%. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, yeah, Brandon Tanev's headshot is brutal. All right, so so Rickard Raquel, Rickard Rackle, 22% owned. I seriously get OEL vibes from Raquel. Like, we're all kind of hoping for that one really, really good year that OEL had, and we just keep drafting him because we're like, oh, you know, maybe this is the year he goes 55 points again. One season on God mode from Raquel. He posted 230 shots, converted on 34 of those shots, added over 100 hits, and then the bottom just fell out promptly, fell out the following year, and it never came back. Time on ice dipped, shooting percentage cratered, and this year there is a little hope in the shot volume category, but nowhere else. He's shooting under 2%. Again, just snake bitten by shooting percentage. The minutes are okay, but not where they were when Raquel was at his peak. He's only 27. This is the weirdest thing. They got him on the third line tonight. 
with like, I, I just don't know. I feel like Anaheim is just destroying his value. It would be so cool if Raquel got traded. He can't convert on anything. Like, like you can't convert assists if nobody else is scoring in Anaheim. So I just don't know what the outlook for Raquel is right now. The on-ice shooting is low because of course it is. It's Anaheim. Uh, the on-ice goals for are just as bad as Anaheim. And it's it's the worst it's ever been for Raquel. So like going back to his rookie season, it's it's been the lowest for on-ice goals for. The shots per 60 oh are up. Anaheim's bad, man. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, they're just tragic. They're absolutely tragic. But like Raquel on the third line, I don't know why Anaheim's destroying him. I guess they traded Andre Kasha and they just needed another really good player to to bury. Christ. He got an, another five shots already tonight with no points. So his he's actually below 2% shooting now. Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's a common theme here. So there's a lot of opportunity to bounce back, but like Arvidsson and Raquel, these two guys, Nashville and Anaheim kind of in tandem, don't really have too much faith in those teams. So I don't know. I, I would I would put my money on Arvidsson before I put my money on Raquel. Yeah, who's Raquel gonna pass to? Right. That's that's what I mean. Zegris, maybe Zegris. Hopefully. Anyway, that's all I got, boys. Where are we at? Done? Um, I'm just scrolling through pictures of Brandon Tanev. Do they get better or worse than this year's headshot? Can I can I just copy and paste a whole bunch of these pictures? Um Brandon Tanev looks the same in every picture. Oh He's got a look. He has it's he he has a look, that's for sure. If Blue Steel had like a polar opposite, that would be Brandon Tanev's headshot look. He does. It like looks it. like he's just scared of the flash that's coming. Like he, that's his traumatic experiences. He hates getting his picture taken, and it definitely shows. What did What did I just say to you guys? I said, "Why does it look like Brandon Tanev? Uh, or why does Brandon Tanev look like you just walked out on him cooking meth? Yeah, like yeah. he looks just surprised. He's been hanging out with Mike dis- Smith and too disheveled. Much. Like the the doctor didn't tell him he was going to insert first. <laughs> I just noticed here, just as a side note, looking at Anaheim, their top-ranked player right now, like on Yahoo rankings, the 185. That's the best player on the team, which is Max Comtois. Yeah, like I was saying, Zegers shot up to 24%, and that became the highest-owned skater. Because Gibson's pretty highly owned, but, you know, 24%. Brutal. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for Tuesday Trends. Thank you for everybody that that submitted. Like, you know, this week we just crowdsourced and we're able to get a bunch of replies and talk about the guys that you wanted to hear. So if you want to contribute, you can join the Discord um, or you can hit us up on Twitter and we can dive into some guys that you want to hear about. So until next time, you guys can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey or you can hop in the aforementioned Discord. And we will talk to you later. Love you. Love you. Love you.